I'm Dean Foley, a proud Camillary man, and this is the Indigipreneur Podcast. Okay, Crystal, um, to start things off, could you please share a bit about your background and what led you down the path of entrepreneurship and starting your own business? I'm a proud Aboriginal woman. I grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney. And um, if you know anything about the western suburbs, it's a pretty low socioeconomic area, lots of uh, disadvantage and poverty. And so I grew up in housing commission. And I think I was always driven just to want better because I I looked around me and I saw everything I didn't want to become. I didn't want to become um, a teenager with kids living in housing commission and I didn't want to be on a pension. And my mum was a single parent who was on a pension. So that really... um, motivated me so it's motivated me throughout my whole career but going into business wasn't something that um, I had thought about until really later on in my career and um, it was after I um, through some personal circumstances needed to create a job and um, I was living in a regional community and um, unfortunately the job market there for someone like me just wasn't that great and I'd, I'd had previously had employment there but um, the options were quite limited for me. So I thought if I create a business, I'm going to create a job for myself. And so I pretty much registered an ABN and um, printed some business cards and thought, hey, I'm in business now. So that's where it all began. And um, you know, I've been through a lot of evolution. And I think where you start and where you finish are always two different places. Um, and I've learned a lot, a lot along the way. So I've been self-employed now for two and a half years. Um, and that first year was probably one of the craziest of learning because um, when you're on your own trying to win business and then I went into a partnership which didn't um, meet my needs and we weren't making any business, so I left that and, and then, yeah, eventually started my own business again and then have gone into the business I'm in now. That's awesome. So tell us a bit about your business now and how did you get the idea of concept and How's it all progressing? So I was very fortunate to meet some business partners um, in late 2015. And um, we met working for another Indigenous business and, um, you know, that was great. And then later they approached me and said, you know, we're going to start a new business and would you like to be a part of it? And I just looked at their particular skill sets. I didn't know these people. I'd only ever known them on the phone, hadn't met them face to face, but I knew that they had different skill sets to me. And I thought when you have that diversity in skills, um, that combined forces can really create something really powerful. And um, yeah, I just decided to give them a shot. So I said, yes, I'm going to go into business with you. And I hadn't even met them. So I met on Skype and then later we met face to face. I met Damien, my business partner, then I met Katina. And, um, yeah, we just went, okay, well, you know, what can we each do? And then we started to, to flesh out what sorts of things were our capabilities. And so our business is predominantly professional services, so management consulting. Um, we do lots of things. When you think consultants, there are a lot of consultants and consultants do a lot of things. But we probably specialise in, in three key areas of business. We, we specialise in market research and we specialise in organisational development, change management, leadership development, training and development. 
um, so people and teams. And then we have a big part of our business, which is on business capability. And that's the stuff that I'm so passionate about and I do a lot of delivery in. And that's essentially working with other Indigenous businesses around their um, capability and capacity, their understanding around procurement, and really just helping them to really maximise their um, potential to win uh, government procurement work. Awesome. Um, and what have you learned from run your own business and what are the key fundamentals you reckon um, are essential to make it successful? I think the real key thing about being in business is really confidence because you have to back yourself. You're going... You're treading in, in new territory, especially as an Indigenous person. Um, it's, a, it's a new space and it's really hard to describe, but um, you've got to be constantly being able to um, understand who your customers are, what it is that their needs are, and, and customising what it is that you're, you're going to sell them. And it's got to be about offering solutions. And I think that's something that I've learned. The, the biggest uh, learning that I had was moving away from I do this, this is my service, to what's your challenge and how can I help you solve that problem? Um, and when you think uh, think about business from that perspective, you're, you're actually really meeting the needs of the, the customer. So that's something. But yeah, I think confidence, you've got to be really confident, you've got to back yourself, you've got to be able to, to walk the talk and talk the walk. Um, and you've got to be very agile because you know it can be peaks and troughs and we've experienced peaks and troughs so what I mean by that is the times when it's you know there, there's no business and then there's times when you just have an amount uh, like huge amounts of business and um, and managing that effectively so peaks and troughs when it comes to you know supply and demand I think as well um, that you've just yeah you've just got to be able to ride through those waves where it's it is the ups and downs and just continue to to back yourself through that. And can you give um, the indigenous that are listening any tips on you know how to when you run those waves how to just you know get through that? I think what's important is really um, a lots of planning and you know you, we spend a lot of time uh, working in the business as well as working on the business and that time that you're working on the, on the business is really critical. So it's forward planning, it's thinking about what opportunities are coming up, planning for them, having the right teams of people um, available so that um, you can group really quickly if you, if you win perspective work, managing cash flow is really critical. You know, you've got to know what's coming in and what's going out and managing your overheads um, is, is totally critical. Um, and there's some tricks that, that we've learned around, um, you know, managing government work and that's, you know, ensuring that, um, you know, when you are putting in an RFQ or a tender that you specify in your schedule for invoicing against deliverables and um, you're spacing that out enough so that you can manage when you know next invoice comes in, and, and because there's a massive delay with government um, payments, so yeah, just being really across all of that, and I think just forward planning. You've got to spend enough time in working um, in on the business as well as working in in the business in, in delivery mode, and um, I think that's something a lot of small businesses struggle with. You know, you get a lot of work, and then you're actually delivering work. 
and you don't have that time that which is that back office stuff that needs to happen. So it's it's a balancing act. We're slowly being able, as our business has grown, to bring more people in that can help us. And because we've got people that can help us now, that, that sort of frees us up a lot um, to be able to do other things. That's great. And um, as an Indigenous entrepreneur, what's the biggest challenge you've had and, and how did you overcome it? It's a hard question. I think, um, look, I think Indigenous businesses, Indigenous entrepreneurs face the same challenges that any other small business faces because when you're small and you want to go after government work and they there's perceptions that are, are placed and stereotypes that are placed. So, you know, I think... Um, it's just trying to overcome those and demystify those sorts of stereotypes and um, preconceptions that people have that if you're an Indigenous person, do you actually have capability and capacity to actually deliver work? When you're a small business, do you have that, that same capability and capacity? Um, yeah, can you deliver high-scale, large projects? Um, yes, we can. And people being able to um, you know, give us a chance I think we've, we've done really well as a business to really overcome that and continue to build a credible name for us. And that just comes through delivery. And that's what I would probably say to other Indigenous businesses, is let your work speak for itself. You don't need to be out there being, you know, mouthing off or anything. Um, you just need to, you know, put your head down, work hard and um, and let your work speak for itself. And that's what people want to, that's what government want to see, that's what people want to see, is that you've got a strong track record that you deliver high-quality work for a good price. That's awesome. And, uh, and what advice would you give an aspiring Indigenous entrepreneur who's uncertain about what they should do to get their idea up and running and, and make it successful? I think you, you need to, anyone can have a great idea, but is, is that idea going to make you money? And I think we've really got to do research and analysis around the market and understanding what people's buying habits are and whether or not they're actually going to buy what you've got to offer. Um, and so I just think it's as much research as you can around understanding your audience, like who the customer is, what are their, how, how do they make buying decisions, why do they buy, um, and just to identify and, you know, looking at your competition and um, seeing what makes you really unique. And when you understand what makes you really unique and, and that there's a market for it, I think it's, it's a no-brainer. Go, go full steam ahead for it. Totally agree. And in your opinion, what's the difference between an entrepreneur and an employee? I think employees can be entrepreneurs. Um, but, you know, more... More often than not, people think that they're an employee and they have a set role and they go in and they do, you know, set responsibilities and they go home. An entrepreneur, I have found, um, you know, these are people that think outside the box. They want to solve crazy problems or complex problems um, and they just take lots of risks. They do things because they, you know, they put their mind to it and they jump right in. I think employees can be entrepreneurs. Um, most definitely, the people that are work within an, an organisation or a government agency or a department, whatever it is, they can still be the same. They can still be um, innovative, come up with new ideas, try and do things outside the box. Um, and I would encourage employees to think like that, especially if they're working for an Indigenous business. Um, you know, don't be scared to try something different. I think it's really important to to um, differentiate the fact that. Um, Sometimes we get caught up with the fact that 
with the, I guess, the definition of an entrepreneur in, in a lot of sense, some people think entrepreneur only means people that are in the tech space, but entrepreneurs are across a whole range of industries and those are the people that are out there taking a chance um, in trying stuff differently and trying to solve lots of problems. Yes, so true. And I think, um, you know, everybody's in tech these days, even if it's not, you know, with the software development, you're still using tech for marketing and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And um, what's the biggest um, change you've noticed in the Indigenous business sector and where do you see it all progressing in the future? I've seen the increased demand for Indigenous business um, and I've seen the growth of Indigenous businesses. So my business, for instance, is a, a complete ca um, case study for growth because what we've been able to achieve in just over 12 months is just incredible and we've done that purely from the Indigenous procurement policy. So I think the Indigenous procurement policy, um, in my opinion, has done some really great stuff for the Indigenous for the indigenous business sector. Is it perfect? No. Does it need some work? Yes. Um, there's still a lot of Indigenous businesses that need opportunities to um, maximise their success from the IPP. There's no doubt about that. Um, but there have been a lot of businesses like mine that have been able to grow and I just... I think it's put Indigenous business front and centre and I think people are actually starting to see this as a way to close the gap. It's, you know, there's been lots of government money that's been thrown at lots of initiatives for years and years and years without um, real outcomes but I think what we're starting to see now is that there can be some real outcomes that are achieved from Indigenous businesses and seeing Indigenous businesses grow. What I'd like to see happen is... Um, more focus on trying to grow existing Indigenous businesses in the sector and see them grow to big, really big, large entities. So the demographic is no longer the small businesses, but we're big entities. Yeah, with those big businesses, do you reckon they should be grown um, with the Indigenous procurement policy or do you reckon they should get to a you know, certain stage of growth where they should be you know, um, competing commercially um, without you know, getting other social contracts? I think most definitely they should be. I think I think what I think is the IPP opens the door and a business still has to compete competitively. So any Indigenous entrepreneur that's out there that thinks just because you're an Indigenous business you're going to win work under IPP, you're really sorely mistaken. So um, I would agree with you. I think as long, every Indigenous business has to have a quality goods or service and you have to compete competitively against mainstream businesses no matter what. Um, the policy is about being, you know, that that um, hand up to open the door. To, so, but you still have to compete. And um, yeah, I, I just think most definitely, um, no matter what, no matter if there's a policy in place, a business still has to compete competitively. So they're still got to have a high quality goods or service, no matter if they're an indigenous business or not. And for you, which country or organisation do you believe is leading the charge in indigenous entrepreneurship and economic development? And how can Australia's government and corporates um, learn from their success? Oh, that's a question I, I don't know if I have an answer to. Um, I haven't followed. I haven't followed so much about what's happening internationally, um, specifically only around NMSDC in the state, United States, and um, MSD UK, which is up in, in the UK. What I noticed the difference between us and the UK um, through their minority supplier diversity is that it's it's not government led; it's actually corporate driven. 
And I think that there's some real benefit around that. And um, I know that there's a lot of highly engaged corporates here in Australia, um, but I think that they could do far more than what government in really changing the landscape and, and really supporting growth of Indigenous businesses. In the States, they've had supply diversity for more than 40 years. Um, and that's where the, the model in Australia with supply nation was, was demonstrated off. And, you know, there's some real lessons to learn from their 40 years. They've got over 13,000 minority businesses that are certified through NMSDC. Um, and, yeah, you, what you notice about the demographic of businesses in the States, NBEs over there, is that they're really large organisations. So I've been over to the States three times to their um, conference and... Uh, you know, one of the things when you first meet an MBE is they first thing they ask you is what's your annual revenue, because they're very they're, they're very driven about um, uh, how big how big their businesses are. So their entities are really large. So they're like you know million dollar billion dollar businesses, and they have the billion dollar roundtable, which is a really exclusive group of corporates that are spending a billion dollars with minority businesses. So we could, we've got a lot to learn from them. And that's why I say investing in the growth of existing Indigenous businesses, not to say that we shouldn't be welcoming more into the market, but if we see, say, 250 Indigenous businesses growing to larger entities, then there's more opportunity for employment. You know, we, we, we hear there's a lot of uh, discussion around um, Indigenous businesses being a great uh, catalyst for Indigenous employment. The business has got to grow to be able to have to be able to um, have that opportunity to employ their own and employ Indigenous people and communities on the ground. So, yeah, I think we could learn a lot from the states and and also from um, the UK um, in those models. But yeah, there's lots of Indigenous business here in Australia that are doing really great things, and um, yeah, it's good. Definitely, it's good. And are there one or three business apps that have? Add a tremendous value to your business um, that you could share with Indigenous listening. Do you know, I wish I had my questions beforehand? Because <laughs> I got to think off the top of my head, which is it's not that hard. I can talk with a mouth all melted under water, but it's all good. Um, yeah, look, we we uh, have use a whole foray of um, tools um, to help us. We use Roll. Um, it's not necessarily an app, but it is an online uh, project management tool that's um, very effective for us for managing when we've got tenders coming in and tenders going out, invoicing, all of that. So we can actually forecast our cash flow and our projections of what money we would be coming in based on invoice dates and things like that. Um, we use Teams, Microsoft Teams, because we um, have got SharePoint. So we've got SharePoint, we've got Teams. So Teams has got an app that's a short, um, you know, availability for us to communicate with each other um, through our phones, but also when we're on our laptops. I use Slack as well. So because I'm um, a part of a number of different networks, I use Slack for university. Um, I use Slack for the Indigenous Women in Business network that I'm a part of, that I'm an ambassador of. And it's just great to be able to, you know, to communicate with people really quickly and, and easily. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I use. I don't, I can't think of... Um, Anything. I live by my phone. I would die if my iPhone died um, because it's a necessity of life. Um, just because you, you need your calendar, and I live out of my calendar. I don't know anything else. <laughs> I rambled then. That looks good. And, and can you recommend one or three helpful um, books for Indigenous entrepreneurs to read? 
I've got to think of the names of the books that I've read. Um, I'm currently reading uh, reading Janine Ellis's book, um, The Lady That Did the Boost Juice. So I'm currently reading her book and I've just started that. Um, I read a book, um, just can't think of the name of it, but it's about TEDx Talks and it's really, really helped me. It's, it's the art of um, creating a fabulous TEDx talk. And for someone that has to do a lot of talking, and you know when you're in business and you've got to go and pitch, it's been absolutely fantastic for me in helping me to um, get my messaging across really effectively. So it's helped in pitching exercises, but it's also helped in um, when I've got to get up and present or do any public speaking, and the name just absolutely escapes me. Um, I've also read... Um, the four-hour or the four-hour week entrepreneur, and oh, there's another one, e, the e, e myth one. Yes, I've got that as well. Yeah, I'm not a huge, um, not a huge book reader because I'm a I'm a slow book reader. Um, it's just finding the time because I read so many papers for um, projects and tenders and things like that. So um, it's usually holiday time that I'll sit down with a good book and have a good read. Yeah, thanks for that. It'd be awesome to have a four-hour work week as an entrepreneur. Um, Crystal, thank you for your valuable time and insights, um, which will help other Indigenous entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses, which will help themselves and their communities. So thank you.